Welcome to Lockhead on Marketing, where we're trying the world's first marketing pod storm. 30 days of strategies and ideas to help you create the future of your choosing. Hey ho, let's go. Thanks for pressing play. And I sure am, uh, I sure hope you're enjoying the pod storm. Today, we have a very, very special episode. We're going to go deep on one of the seminal, most powerful marketing skills there is. That's writing, as in copywriting. And we have a super special guest. Cole Schaefer is here. And uh, I know this sounds like an oxymoron, but he's the new OG, as in original gangster. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've worked with and met a lot of marketing writers in my career. And... Um, you know, he's a younger guy and man, oh man, is he coming on like a hurricane to quote ACDC. On this episode, he shares some insights that have changed my skill set in writing. Cole's got two legendary newsletters. I think you should subscribe to both of them. Go to honeycopy.com and you can do that. You're going to love everything that he puts out. And on this episode, also pay special attention to a particular legendary idea that Cole shares about how you can use your favorite book or books to transform your own writing. Now, America is getting back to work, but to win in the new economy, you need every advantage. And that's where my friends at Oracle NetSuite come in. NetSuite is the number one cloud business system for finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. With NetSuite, you can manage every penny with precision. So whether you're doing a million bucks or a hundreds or hundreds of millions, <laughs> hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of millions, <laughs> NetSuite gives you the visibility and control that you need. Go to netsuite.com slash different. And uh, there you'll be able to get the brand new guide, seven actions businesses need to take now. And you can schedule your free NetSuite product tour at netsuite.com slash different. And data has never been more strategic than it is right now. And Splunk helps you bring data to every question, every decision, and every action. Go to Splunk.com slash D2E, as in data, to everything. That's S-P-L-U-N-K dot com slash D, the number two, and the letter E. Now, hey-ho, let's go. I would say all marketers should be writers because the vast majority of business writing and marketing communication, to be honest, is just really, really tough to read. And I would say primarily because it's just littered with sort of business jargon and buzzwords and sort of this, uh, I, I hate to say it, but kind of like this showboating is what I feel like when I read a lot of brands writing. Um, and it doesn't feel like something that can be understood by like the wider audience. So I think if more marketers focused on writing better and crisper and clearer, their marketing would improve because there'd be greater comprehension. Well, yeah, said in a maybe less nice way, there's a lot of companies you can't understand what the <laughs> fuck they're talking about. You go to a company's website, you can't figure out what they do, right? Yeah. And in the B2B space, it's even worse because it's just full of business babble. One of the things that I love to do is read the about section of a company's press release. And, you know, most of them are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 really, it's really rough. And I, I think, like, for one, one way to, like, improve the about us section is just to remove the, the word about us. <laughs> I, think <that's, laughs> I think that's, like, a, gr a great way to just quickly improve, like, the about us section. But one <laughs> so thing... instead of about us, what would you say in the press release in the about us section? 
oh, I would just have a, a really, you know, badass headline, you know, something that like speaks to the reader. And, and one thing like I notice constantly with brands, especially like in the about us section is they, they sort of write in this really awkward, clunky third person, you know, it's like, like Nike might say, uh, uh, Nike is a, uh, global sports brands and we serve our customers uh in blah 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 and that just doesn't that doesn't speak to the reader it almost as like the customer prospect when you read that you are kind of thinking am i am i like reading nike narrating their own story here so i think like one way to just improve the about us section is one delete that that term entirely but two just change it to like first person you know say i and we and say and actually speak to the reader, like say you <laughs> versus saying our customers. I just think that's super strange. And I found it interesting how, uh, you know, when you rewrote Lockhead.com, you were insistent that it was in the first person voice. Why do you think even for, so I get that with me, although I was uncomfortable with it, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that's also true for a mega brand like a Nike? Yeah, and I, I knew you were a little bit, uh, for those who don't know, Christopher's, uh, very modest, and if you try to uh, have him brag about himself, it you'll get a lot of pushback. <laughs> but but from uh, from my experience, I kind of relate it to sort of like the dinner party. If if you had someone walk into a dinner party um, and they started talking about themselves in third person, it would be incredibly uncomfortable. You would think, wow, this this person's like kind of pompous, right? And so when brands take that same approach and they start talking about themselves in third person, as a reader uh, or a prospective customer, we're, we're, we're just kind of shaking our heads like, uh, why, why, are they, why are they talking that way? And I think for, for any brand, be it like big or small, the goal is for when someone sits down and reads their emails or their website copy or anything, we really want to feel like we're talking to another human being, right? Nike should sound like it's like it's a person. It it shouldn't sound like it's it's coming from this collection of thousands of like people, right? It's and I think like the the strongest brands that I know, they feel like people to us. Like they feel like we're having a conversation over a beer or over or over coffee. And so that's why I think we have to shy away from third person. It's so interesting that you say that because I, I had so many takeaways from my conversation with Max Temkin when he was on Follow Your Different. Mm-hmm. And for them, Cards Against Humanity is like a person. And there's certain characteristics and behaviors that fit and there's mm-hmm. some that don't. And like when, when they talk to the world, they make an assumption that the world is in on the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, that this is not necessarily how they would talk to you if they met you as people, but that essentially Cards Against Humanity is a, is a person, is a character. Mm-hmm. And so you think even a mega brand like Nike should talk like it was a person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I, when I sit down like with a brand and we're actually trying to carve out their voice, one thing, one thing I work with them on is just stepping back from the brand and saying, if our brand was a person, what conversations would they have uh, over dinner? What music would they listen to? Uh, would they curse? Would they not curse? What clothes would they wear? And and the same goes for the reader too. Like the customer is who are we? Who are we writing to? Stephen King, you know, just like a killer writer. He has always ha- he calls it like your ideal writer. So every single novel that Stephen King has written has been written to his wife, who's who's also a novelist and like super talented, but. 
every single novel he writes is written directly to her. So like as brands, when not just when we're writing, but when we're marketing, I think it's not just important to think about like, who are we as an individual, but also who is our ideal customer that we are writing and marketing to. I mean, almost having that, that person's like face in our minds as we are, as we're marketing and writing to them, because it just creates this, this much more personable style of marketing. And, and I loved how you brought up, um, cards against humanity. I think their marketing really speaks to this. Like I read the other day that they bought out their Chinese, um, production plant one time. Like they raised money and then bought out their Chinese production plant, uh, for an entire week. So all of the Chinese workers could go on like a week long vacation, which no brand would ever think to do that. But that to me, like that's a deed, like a marketing deed that feels like something a human would do. Um, and so I think when you ha- take that mindset, you really establish uh, this really refreshing approach to marketing, you know? It's so interesting you say that because, you know, as a dyslexic for me, writing is hard and learning to write um, has come much, much later in life. I remember when I was in my early 30s, uh, in my second CMO gig at a company called Scient, the CEO asked me to write essentially the company's point of view and like a paper on that. So imagine mm-hmm. like an HBR article kind of. And so I went to work on the first draft and I gave it to him. And I was probably, you know, 32-ish at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we were public yet, but we would become public. Anyway, I handed it to him and he read it. And he came back to me and he, and he didn't mean this in a mean way at all. Uh, his name was Bob Howe and Bob's a wonderful, warm man I respect deeply. But he said to me, he said, Christopher, I got it. We need to get you some help here with this, or, uh, a writer that you can work with. And he mm-hmm. said, I, I got to tell you, I've never met anybody who verbally had such skill and uh, with writing had such little skill. He said, the disparity between the way you talk and the way you write is the biggest disparity I've ever seen. And he said, look, do whatever you want. I get it. But if you could get your writing skill anywhere near your your speaking skill, you'd really have something. And he said it in a very kind way. And he was like a like an uncle or maybe even dad-like figure for me, right? And we had a very playful relationship. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that stayed with me. And shortly thereafter, I began working on it. And the aha that I've had is, as a marketeer, I think the two seminal skills are writing and selling. Because in Mm -hmm. both cases, you have to be an effective communicator that drives some kind of an outcome. And so anyway, being a good writer, becoming a decent writer has transformed my career and my skill set. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I... Completely agree with that. And one thing I've noticed is that I feel like there's very few people who are skilled at both writing and then also speaking. I don't know if you've ever listened to writers do interviews, and and I would even batch myself into this, but if you listen to Stephen King do an interview or you listen to some of these really prominent writers do interviews, um, you can tell that they're not necessarily in their element. So I, I think it's skills that you sort of have to hone. You know, I think speaking takes, for some people, speaking comes very, very natural, you know, and the same can, could be said for writing. But I think they, at times, do feel a little bit mutually exclusive because they do 
require a lot of work, you know? And so if I wanted to be like Cole, <laughs> what are a couple of things you would tell me to, to start working on to become a legendary, in particular, a legendary marketing-oriented writer? The first thing I would recommend is you, you need to establish what, your, what your, your voice is, right, as a writer. And one, one piece of advice I give to a lot of marketers who are wanting to improve the writing is, uh, is one, when you sit down to write, before you write, like before you're writing sales copy, pull out your phone, start recording, and record yourself selling what you're selling to uh, uh, an imaginary customer in front of you. Play it back. And when you play it back, you're going to hear some gems in there. You're going to be like, holy shit, that was a like really awesome line there. Like, I need to write that down. And it allows you to take that conversational tone that you're having, that sort of the natural sort of rhythm and cadence that you have when you're speaking. It allows you to translate that and put that down on paper. So I still do that. Like when I get stuck writing is if I were, if I were to sell this to someone, right, just, you know, face to face, how, how would I sell it to them? So I think that's a quick way to just improve your writing. And it keeps you from writing with some of the, the bullshit that you talk about where, uh, to make a long story shorter, you know, it, when you, you, when you start speaking and saying that type of stuff, and then you listen to it, all of a sudden you're able to like, when you listen to it back, all of a sudden you're able to hear, Oh, that that's like a really, that's a really stupid line. Um, and when you're just writing it, sometimes it's easy to fall in the habit of using those business buzzwords like working in silos and uh, at the end of the day and all of these all of these different lines. But when you're speaking it and you're hearing it back, I think it automatically like will help improve your communication. Another thing like I highly recommend, and this is sort of a practice for all copywriters, but um, some of the, the, the most prolific copywriters of all time would actually write word for word um the, the 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 biggest most successful advertisements so like one of the best uh sort of written advertisements of all time was david ogilvy's ad uh how to create advertising that sells that was like one of the best like examples of copywriting in my opinion long-form copywriting so if you're wanting to improve as a copywriter start literally writing word for word, just copying that advertisement to paper. And naturally, like subconsciously, you are going to be picking up on the rhythm. Stephen King would actually like do this with novels. So he would literally rewrite entire novels word for word uh, to get to get their rhythm down. And what was crazy about it is by doing that over and over again, you slowly... Uh, learn like subconsciously learn the rhythm and skill and and cadence that that is required to write really well um and obviously don't copy that and publish it like that's plagiarizing but it's the same as like as it like i played basketball in, in high school and a little bit in college how i got good at basketball is i would watch nba basketball players do certain moves and then i would go out to my outdoor basketball goal and i would do those same moves right it's it's the same thing it's getting your body in your mind used to what that rhythm feels like and looks like it's exactly what happens in music mm -hmm. most people don't you know if you're learning to play guitar or piano most people start off learning other people's songs mm -hmm. and if you're going to write your own songs well if you've been in a cover band and you've been playing you know three hours at weddings on the weekend or nightclubs or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you now know how the Beatles constructed their songs and the Stones construct, and, or if you're doing modern stuff, you know, like uh, Kelly Clarkson's music is really well written. And so 
I remember hearing Dave Grohl talk about his number one influence for songwriting was the Bee Gees. Because if you, and I'd never thought about this, but if you listen to a Bee Gees song, what's the chorus and what's the verse? They just build on top of each other and they get catchier and catchier. And really a lot of Bee Gees songs are four or five catchy things stacked on top of each other, all of which could potentially be a verse or a chorus. Anyway, he was talking about that influence. I had never heard it in the context of writing that as a writer, you would sit there and write out ads and marketing or, or novels or whatever it is that inspire you and literally copy them to begin imprinting that on your brain. Exactly. I mean, I, if you looked back on like my early notebooks uh, when I was first getting started, Gary Halbert and Joe Sugarman and David Ogilvy. I mean, if, if you read through David Ogilvy's work, I like so much of my tone has been inspired by people like David Ogilvy and, and Hemingway. And I obviously will never in a million years touch their skill level. But when you're, when you're writing word for word what they've written in the past, you're naturally just, just imprint, like you said, imprinting that shit like on your brain, you know? Amazing. The other thing I have to take my hat off to you about, Cole, is, I, and I wish I could remember who turned me on to you so I could thank them, but somebody told me about you. I went to your website. I was knocked over. I immediately got it and subscribed to the newsletter, which I fucking love. And, and so I start consuming your shit. And by the time I am in a position to need someone like you, it's like, well, duh, I'm, I'm going to send Cole an email. Like you and I hadn't really, we'd email back and forth because you started listening to the podcast. And so we were starting to have some fun together and build a bit of a relationship. But at the beginning, I didn't think I'd end up hiring you. But then I was like, well, what? Let's try this guy. And the craziest thing, and I think is a testament to legendary marketing, branding, communications, and writing all kind of wrapped into one, your work is so representative of who you are I knew you before we ever actually talked. <laughs> well, I, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that. I think that with Honey Copy and, and building out that brand, the approach I've, I've tried to take and it's been because I haven't had, you know, traditional education with, with copywriting, right? Like I, I went to school for marketing, but it's not like I went to a portfolio school and learned about copywriting and sort of learned the rules and all that. And, um, and I think my approach to building honey copy has been just trying to be as authentic as possible to who I am, uh, and, and unapologetically. So, uh, and so, I mean, you've, you've read my newsletter sticky notes and I mean, you like every time I send out a newsletter, I lose 40 to 50 followers, you know, but thankfully I'm gaining a lot more than that. But I, I lose 40 to 50 subscribers. I had a woman say something to me the other day. She, she emailed me and said, uh, you curse in this and um, it's appalling and I, I'm unsubscribing, uh, <laughs> which I thought was funny because she could just un unsubscribe at the bottom. But at first I, I kind of had some pause over that where I thought, you know, is it appropriate for me to curse in a, in a marketing newsletter? And, and what I realized is if I were having a conversation with uh, one of my friends over beer and I didn't say one single curse word that entire, that entire beer, they would pull me aside and say, hey, dude, is there something wrong with you? Like what's going on? You know? And, and so what's, tr I try to just be unapologetically me. 
And um, I don't try to showboat. I don't try to be someone I'm not. Uh, and sometimes that turns people off. But what I've realized is it's created a really loyal uh, readership because I think they realize that I'm not trying to be someone else, you know, or sort of throw on the business facade where, yeah. uh, you know, we're going to button everything up and pretend that we don't fuck and we don't cuss and we don't drink or smoke or anything like that. That's just, I, I think that life and business can kind of uh, mesh a little more than, than, than what we're currently doing. But that's probably a conversation for another day. Well, I think you do a great job at it. And like I said, I knew you uh, before we talked. And it's because your work is very clear that way. All right, Cole, anything else uh, on your mind about how to be a legendary or at least how to get started on the path to be a legendary marketing writer? I would say probably the last thing I would leave people with is read less of the sort of blogs you're seeing on Medium and less of the rah, rah, rah uh, business BS and, and pick up some of the the classics like so pick up pick, pick up books that Ernest Hemingway has written pick up Virginia Woolf pick up and read really really good writing um, and again Stephen King said it best but he, he essentially said that if if I had a if I had a dollar for every <laughs> for every aspiring writer that came to me that said they didn't have time to read I would have a very uh, I'd have enough money to buy a very good steak dinner and he finished that by essentially saying if you don't have time to read you don't have the tools to become a really good writer and what's fascinating is stephen king is i think he's 80 now he reads 75 to 100 books every single year and so that's what i would tell people if whether it's writing or podcasting or whatever whatever craft you're trying to do just absorb really 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 good art in that 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 specific field uh, and so if you want to become a great writer don't read bad writing you know, pick up a really good book, look up the best writers of all time, start reading there. And I think naturally it will imprint on your brain. So that's what I'd leave folks with. Cole Schaefer, there's a reason you're a legend. Thank you, brother. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. All right. We would like to thank the legendary Cole Schaefer. Check him out. He's got two must read newsletters. I get both of them myself. Go to honeycopy.com and hit that subscribe button. My friends at Atranet have been building legendary B2B websites in Silicon Valley for more than 20 years. Check out atre.net and get yourself a uh, smoking new website. If you love podcasts, check out Cloud Wars Live with my buddy, Bob Evans. If you're in the tech industry and you care about what's going on, Cloud Wars Live, and I guest on that podcast on a monthly basis. Speaking of podcasts, if you want to start your own, uh, check out my friends at mission.org. The mission helps legendary companies build their own media capabilities and podcasts, and they do a great job. Check out mission.org. And speaking of great jobs in podcasting, my friends at squadcast.fm are the platform for distance or remote podcasts over the internet. We use them exclusively when we have guests. They are amazing. Our audio quality has gone through the roof. As a matter of fact, I recently talked to a guy who listened to his first ever podcast, and it was our uh, Follow Your Different episode with McChrystal, and um, he could not believe that it sounded as good as the radio sounds. And that is in part 
because of a squadcast.fm. All right, today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes, and this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. Speaking of why we sound so great, Jason DeFilippo is literally, in my opinion, the greatest podcast producer of all time. Uh, Jamie J and Sarah Knox do legendary technical execution around here, including buildinglockhead.com. Show notes by D- Diane Gervasio. Uh, Candy Dandy keeps the reins. The reins coming? No, the train's coming. The train's running. <laughs> the cha- train's running on time. Thanks, Candy Dandy. I love you, mom and dad. And the thought I'll leave you with comes from Charles Bukowski, who said, some people never go crazy. What truly horrible lives they must lead. That's it. Please stay safe, stay legendary, and until we're together again, follow your different. 